nobody's really paying a lot of money. So you're not keeping up with inflation. Even if you do it at two year CD, you might be getting you know, 1.5 to 2% maybe at best on a, on a couple year CD. Inflation's about 3.15, you know, somewhere in that area, three and a quarter. Um, so you're losing money every year. So that's counterproductive when, if it's just sitting in the bank, <laughs> it's not making enough to keep up with inflation. That's why I said, let's pull it off, let's back it up some, let's actually pull some of that money and let's invest it so you can actually beat inflation. So you're not going backwards. It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike Koyanen. Welcome in to the Retirement Reality Podcast. Uh, let me ask you a quick question, Mike, before we get started. Did you ever hear that song, All About the Benjamins? Did you ever hear that song? I have song? not. You no, have not I heard that song. You'll have to check it out sometime, but that is our main topic today, and it's an expression that's used to talk about cash, and that's what we'll be talking about. Is too much cash a problem? Is it good? Is it bad to have cash? We'll run through that topic as well. We all enjoy having cash, but maybe it's not to your benefit in some situations. So that's our main topic today. We also have a little headline plus a little mailbag to get into. A lot coming on the show today, and uh, we always do all this conversation and all this info we get from Mike Coyne and over Principal Preservation Services. Mike, how's it going? It's going great. Yeah, and I was just thinking about uh, if I had a million dollars, who sang that one? That was about Bare Naked Ladies? Is that who? Bare Naked Ladies? Yeah. yeah. I think that's the only kind of money song I can I can think about right now. But I, I got to look up. It's all about the Benjamins. I don't, I, haven't, I don't know that one. Yeah, I think it was uh, Puff Daddy was, was the, one of the guys <laughs> behind it. So it's a rap song. You'll have to check it, it out. Is, but yeah, I think oh, it was like maybe on a soundtrack for a movie or something like that. Maybe. I don't what? remember. But Well, I do I knew, do know he sang like, uh, Mo Money, right? Yeah. That was Mo Money? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I think it was early 2000s. So All right. check it out when you get a chance. Maybe we'll even throw it into this podcast <laughs> if we're allowed to, to do that uh, commercial music-wise. So all right, let's get into the first headline today. And it's on uh, IRAs. And this is a, a big one for a lot of people. You know, the IRS increased contribution limits from two six thousand dollars for any type of IRA into seven thousand if you're going to be fifty or older this year. Four hundred one k's and similar plans also get a, a five hundred dollar bump to nineteen thousand five hundred, and if you're fifty plus, up to twenty six thousand. So, uh, are these pretty significant changes. Do you think, Mike, for people? Yeah, we're seeing a little bit jumps almost every year. We're typically seeing these. Uh, go up so it was expected um i just my whole point people say well but that's a lot of money how are you supposed to contribute that much it's a process and you if as long as you started this process at a young age it shouldn't be a big stretch anymore now it's a big stretch if you haven't been saving <laughs> but if you've been saving for 10 15 plus years and every time you get a raise you take a little bit of that money and reinvest it or make your contributions more and more each year these should be exciting. These should be big numbers for you because you can make a big hit stretch forward for your retirement that lasts 10 years by, you know, 10, 15 years by maxing out these contribution limits. I mean, just look at it, $26,000 a year. And if you did that for the next, you know, 15 years, you know, you're going to have about, that's $400,000 of roughly contributions in 15 years, roughly. And then whatever that's going to grow, that's irrelevant to what even you've, you added the prior 20, 30 years. So, so that's important to know that, uh, you know, you could be making some huge gains, take advantage of these contribution catch-up limits is what they call it. Yeah. And when you look at it, I mean, that's a, almost a 17% increase. So that's a pretty significant amount of money that you can 
put into those uh, those accounts, at least from the IRA perspective. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty interesting, uh, but good stuff to keep in mind as you're working with a, a, an advisor and, and building your plan out. So uh, the first headline we want to get to today. So let's move into our main topic on all about the Benjamins, uh, as I mentioned, a reference in the open. But hmm. it's all about cash, right? I mean, we all want a nice, healthy bank account. You know, we want a good amount of dollars. We like checking that bank account statement and seeing that large number of cash sitting in there. Uh, and we need that for emergencies and when we're getting, when we're preparing for purchases like a car or down payment on a house, something like that, where you don't want to have to liquidate all your assets, your savings, and all that stuff. But is right. it counterproductive to have too much cash on hand? That's what we want to ask today. So let's explore that idea today. And let's start, uh, you know, Mike, with kind of a basic question. What are, what are some of the possible uses of cash that make it a good idea to keep a decent amount on hand? Yeah, there's a lot of good reasons. And again, where you're working, uh, a rule of thumb that we recommend our, our clients who are still in that employment status, three months to six months of your expenses set aside. I mean, this is not the the rigid rules for everybody, but because everybody has different situations. But typically, while you're working, you want to have some emergency funds built up. Now, for my case, I'm still working, almost 48 is uh, one thing that I do is because I'm the only breadwinner, the only, I mean, the only one working and making income. I have more than that uh, reserves because if something happens to me where I'm laid up, maybe and I can't work for six months or a year, we're covered for that period of time, which is important. Everybody's situation is different. But when you're retired, six months of your expenses, two up to 12 months of your expenses should be set aside. And what are you going to use that for? I tell people that's where you're going to, you know, if a lot of my re- my clients who are retired, they're charging everything, getting their rewards. They're smart with their money. They've developed some good habits. Use that cash to obviously be paying your, your bills off on a regular basis. I always recommend using the cash on hand to you know, hopefully a positive cash flow going into your bank accounts each month. So it's growing, your cash is growing a little bit more than you're spending. And so every three years or five years, maybe you want to upgrade your car. Well, now you have cash to do it. Don't take it out of your IRAs, 401ks. Uh, what if you have uh, a grandbaby being born and they're across the country? Well, you have cash on hand for that. What if you have car repairs or you know, tires on your car and you know just certain things cash is so important to have as opposed to taking money out of your investments and that's a, a big reason it's just that peace of mind money that's just going to be constantly flowing in and out and it's important to have that it just gives you more peace if everything is everything that comes in goes out yeah. and uh, it's not fun it's you don't need to live like a college student in retirement when you look at your cash, you know, your, your bank account statement. It's nice having, and you can ask, you know, 10 men in here, ask your wives, are, are they have more peace when they see that you have, you know, $30,000 in the checking account rather than having $1,000 in the checking account? Oh, you better believe it. They're going <laughs> to say, my wife is happier knowing we have an extra cushion. It's that yeah. peace of mind. Okay. Well, on the other side of that, then what are some Times where it might be counterproductive because, you know, we talk about this idea of cash not being a great thing for you know every situation. So what are a couple of those where you don't want to have that much cash on hand? Yeah, uh, we see that a lot, too. Or maybe they received an inheritance from the parents passing. 
or maybe they, they downsize their house or, or how maybe you should call it right sizing. You, you go into a house that's actually the right size for you in retirement. So it doesn't, it doesn't take a negative connotation on that. But maybe you, you had a house that's a half a million. You, you went to a house that's 300000 Now you have $200,000 sitting there. The problem with that is you look at some of these savings accounts, they pay 0.1. 0.2% return, which is ridiculous. Uh, maybe some money markets, maybe some credit unions pay a little bit better. CDs aren't paying that great right now because rates are low. Fed rates are low as well. So nobody's really paying a lot of money. So you're not keeping up with inflation. Even if you do a two-year CD, you might be getting you know, 1.5 to 2% maybe at best on a, on a couple-year CD. Inflation is about 3.15, you know, somewhere in that area, three and a quarter. Um, so you're losing money every year. So that's counterproductive when, if it's just sitting in the bank, <laughs> it's not making enough to keep up with inflation. That's why I said, let's pull it off. Let's back it up some. Let's actually pull some of that money and let's invest it so you can actually beat inflation. So you're not going backwards. I got you. So when you have somebody come into the office and you know, they're, you know you're working on their plan, maybe for the first time or early on in that process, you know, and they talk to you about having cash, and y'all have that discussion. Kind of, how do you, how do you work with them on figuring out what that that correct number is for them? Yeah, well, we have to do a, a very good uh, expense worksheet to make sure that what they're telling me for their expenses are really lining up. So when we sit down and we go through their expenses, and they tell me, you know, their maybe expenses are four thousand dollars a month. I said, that's the expenses. Yeah. I said, okay, great. Now you're working. I said, okay, so let's, what are you actually taking home every two weeks? Okay. So we get that number. I asked the other spouse, what are you netting? We put those numbers together. I said, so based off what you're telling me, you guys are netting about $7,000 a month. You said you're spending 4,000. So you're actually putting $3,000 aside in your checking or savings. Oh, no, no, no. We're, we're about breaking even. I said, well, then <laughs> reality is you're not putting aside that much. <laughs> or sometimes it's, it's just the opposite. Sometimes they're, they are super conservative and they don't like to spend money. And they really are putting 2000 or $3,000 a month while they're working. And they just keep building up that cash. And it's just it's not growing. And I said, even if you pulled off, you know, I've seen some people have you know, three, $400,000 in cash. And I said, why do you have so much? And they liked the, that peace of mind. But I said, look at what you're doing. You're going to work for another two, three more years, for example. I said, even if you're the way you're saving right now, you're going to have another $100,000 saved in three more years. So why have so much cash now? You can actually reinvest a lot of this at a better a better possibility for gain than actually uh, when you're, you're, you're going to have a huge reserve built up, emergency fund built up in the meantime. So it's just having that conversation. Exp being true to the expenses is key. Unfortunately, sometimes clients tell me one thing, it's the other, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, you got to be straightforward with your advisor. You're not going to get a lot of help that's going to actually benefit yeah. you, right? Um, that's right. So with, with cash, I mean, it sounds like a lot of times people holding mm -hmm. on to cash and a lot of cash is, is more or less to feel comfortable with where they stand or at least make their family feel comfortable. But I mean, is, is a lot of it too, like fear of the market maybe turning south? Is that why people might hold on to a lot more cash than they need to? 
Yeah, there's a lot of fear being that this is election year this year. They're concerned what's going to happen. They're concerned about what happened. I mean, last year turned out to be a good year, I think, by a lot of surprise from others, from most people. It was had a lot of volatility in the year, but the market ended up making about 29%. Doesn't mean that's what you made, but I think people are concerned because we're in uncharted territory. We're about almost 11 years up on a bull market never been this long ever in history so that's a big concern and and rightfully so and if you don't need to take the risk on in the market you don't need to but again going not making enough money is a big concern as well another big concern why people have cash on hand too is if they retire before 65 and they're on uh, maybe the affordable care act well there's limitations how much you can make and how much you know um you know income you can you know, use or investment income you can use. So a lot of them are under a tight window. And that's one big benefit of having cash on hand where you can live inexpensively for a few years if you have to until you get to Medicare age. Because once you're on Medicare, you know, it doesn't really matter anymore what your income is at. You know, but um, the key is, you know, if you have that cash on hand, you can keep your your tax brackets low, live within maybe under forty seven thousand or whatever that might be. There's different limits depending on what level of subsidy you qualify for. But I've seen a few people literally live up three years and live at a zero tax bracket just to get a very low health insurance. And that's important for a lot of people because what's the alternative? Spending eleven hundred, fifteen hundred dollars a month for a couple for health insurance for three years, you can easily yeah. be spending, you know, thirty to fifty thousand dollars in in healthcare premiums. So um, that's important to look at as well. So if we have somebody listening right now that's that's saying, okay, I've got cash, I know I need to invest some of this. I can't be holding on to this much cash, but I don't want to get involved in the market because I can't handle the ups and downs every day and having to worry about that and give myself a heart attack. I'm close to retirement. I don't want to be worrying about exactly where that is. What are some investments they can maybe consider that will let them be a little more efficient without having to worry about as much of the volatility? Yeah, I, I think there's certain annuities that were actually will meet those kind of needs. If you're looking not to take the risk on, but you want to keep up and beat inflation, well, you know, there's, I'm not a big fan of variables. We don't offer our clients variables here because that's still in the market. They might sound like they're not in the market because you, you have a guaranteed maybe gain on some future income. That's not your true dollar. So I'm not a fan of them. Susie Orman says stay away from them. That's a variable annuities, not a fan. Uh, fixed annuities you can get. They're like a CD, except you get the, the fixed annuity gets through insurance company. Um, with rates being low, you might be able to get a five-year at you know 3.5% right now, a five-year fixed annuity, which is a little bit better than inflation. But what we're a bigger fan of is you know index annuities because majority of these have no fees. And they're designed to have some good accumulation. Not all index annuities are the same. The key is some have are built for income, some are built for growth, some are capped, some are not capped. We like to focus our clients with uncapped indexed annuities because they can make some nice returns. We had a lot of people in 2019 uh, make all the way, some of their money made up 16% in an indexed annuity. And I'm not you know, these are true numbers that we had because they were getting a certain percentage with the market made and some of them made 16% on their money in indexed annuities without any risk. And the nice thing is if the market is negative, the worst you take is the zero. So that's a good alternative for being in the market to keep up and beat inflation. That's what they're designed to do. 
Well, there you go. Cash, you want to have it, but you don't need too much of it. So there's some things you can be doing with your cash uh, to make it work a little bit more productively for you, a little more efficiently for you. Uh, and that's always something to talk with a professional about and an advisor like Mike to get that plan hammered out and get it working for you. But we all want to have cash on hand to feel comfortable, and that's uh, to be understood as well. So let's wrap up this episode with a mailbag question. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. We're going to do so today from Beth, and it kind of ties into our main topic a little bit, but she says, I could sell my house right now for 500000 and I owe, owe only about $100,000. I'm only 57, but I'm thinking about selling it now, buying a much smaller place, and then using that extra cash to retire now. Is that a bad idea? Maybe, maybe not. So it's, it's, those are there's a lot of variables here. So a couple of things I'm looking at is yeah, you have four hundred thousand dollars of of equity in the house, and you know what are you going to buy a house that's three hundred, three fifty? So even if you buy something that is maybe three hundred thousand, now you have an extra hundred thousand. You know, um, you know you're going to buy something. You paid off. It's nice thing is now you don't have a mortgage, right? So you went from having a mortgage to no mortgage. So that's going to free up your your expenses, which is nice. Uh, it's nice to be debt free in retirement. But the other concern I have is fifty nine and a half is the rule that the IRS limits you to take money out of your investments. So if you're fifty seven, you have roughly two and a half to three years to not take any money out of your IRAs, four hundred one ks, because there's early withdrawal penalties. And so 10% additional penalty. So I'm not a fan of that and just kind of uh, making things so tight. And because there's a lot of variables that come to retirement, health, you know, emergencies pop up. And so is that $100,000 going to be enough to get you till 59 and a half? And then and when it does, do you have enough money to get you through retirement by retiring so early? A lot of people, you know, if you lived, if you retire at 57, there's a good chance you have 25 to 30 more years or more to make that money last. So if you don't have that nest egg built up enough, I don't, I'm not a big fan of working, uh, of retiring early, unless you have health concerns. There's a lot of you know variables with this question, but if if health is good, if you have longevity, some of those last you know two to five years or maybe eight years of, of work could make a huge difference in retirement. And Beth, if, you, if you're single, I would say single individuals have to be do a little extra planning. They have to save a little bit more than couples because everything's dependent on you. Everything is dependent on only your social security, only your investments, only your planning. And it's, it helps to have a little cushion when there's somebody else to depend on, which in your case, it's all on you. So get with the advisor, find out if this is going to work for you or not. Yeah, and you, once you do that, you can let them know all your, your entire situation, your entire picture, and you'll get a, a much, much more accurate answer. But uh, Beth, good to know, Beth. Thanks for sending that question in to Mike and uh, the team here, and we appreciate that. Anybody that wants to send in a question can do so. You can do so online at principalpreservationservices.com. You can call Mike and ask them directly. They'll bring questions onto the show from their office as well. That number is 855-987-8888. And you can also connect on Facebook uh, and ask your question there. Plus, also a lot of other content. You can see Mike's uh, TV appearances on Facebook. You can also get uh, parts of this episode and past episodes on Facebook as well. A lot of content there. So be sure to like uh, that page 
and subscribe to this podcast as well when you get Please a chance. Please do. Yeah. So, Mike, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, good conversation as usual. Maybe you'll be able to check out uh, all about the Benjamins before I talk to you again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's do that. It, time flew by. I can't believe it's already been end of this podcast already. Just feel like we just started. Yeah, we'll have another one coming out next week. So make sure you subscribe and we'll talk to you again here on the Retirement Reality Podcast. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.